listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on ITW, we dive into the Nationals' massacre of the New York Mets. We do a postmortem on the uh, Hall of Fame inductions, and we look back at the week that was for the Chicago Cubs. Tom, I'm, I'm kind of on vacation. Last night, we were in Wisconsin. We made an annual trip to the Ostoff Resort in Elkhart Lake. Uh, nice. We're only able to do kind of one day there with my brother-in-law. Usually, we try to stay there for uh, a few nights, but the, the reality is it's just too crowded and too expensive and too popular. You know? Right. Did you get a chance to stop at the Brat Stop on your way back? We we didn't. We left. We left. We left after the sun had gone down, and we drove back to Chicago that night or last night. And uh, we're off to St. Louis later on today if my wife ever wakes up. So, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I wanted to tell you we got a comment in the mail, and I think it's important in our email address. You are in the wheelhouse at gmail dot com, and it's from somebody you know. Oh, really? He says, yeah. He begins by saying he's exhausted. From typing the email address at its length, you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. It sounds like and, I think I know who this is going to be. <laughs> and it may, he says that that may explain why we're receiving so little, so few comments. Yeah. Um, how, right. would he know, how would he know? Well, yeah, exactly. How would he, <laughs> <laughs> but he suggests that we should talk, talk about um, Lourdes Guriel, the, the younger brother of Houston's uh, Uriel Guriel, or Yassi Guriel, because yep. uh, he's on such a hot streak with Toronto that he had hit in a consecutive 10 games, this young player doing really well. And so I was wondering if you wanted to guess who that might be. I'm going to say it's Joe Side. It absolutely was Joe Side. And I want to thank Joe for listening. I implore Joe to come on to talk about the White Sox. He refused. He said he's too busy this month traveling around the world for business. But he promises, or at least, I don't know, thinks that he may be on sometime soon. So anyway. Well. Well, that, that's good. I, I was going to either guess Joe's side or Guriel's agent. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was one of the two. <laughs> but uh, a point well taken. He's actually not at all on my radar. Um, but there is an up-and-coming player that we're about to talk about who is on our radar. Um, and we'll get to that guy in a minute. So uh, thank you, Joe's side. Keep yeah. those, uh, keep keep those uh, cards and letters coming in. Absolutely. All right. So around the league, let's uh, let's begin with uh, the, the Washington Nationals just put a beating on the New York Mets. They beat them 25 to five or 25 to four. Right. Just an absolute rout. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in there. But but at the end of the game, Sean Kelly is pitching for Washington. Right. And he gives up a three run home run to make the score 25 to four or 25 to five. And there's no way that New York is coming back in this game, but, but Kelly takes his, he, he slams his glove on the mound after giving up the home run. And he stares into the Washington dugout at manager Davey Martinez, because he's pissed off that Martinez didn't support him when the umpire was squeezing him. Yes. Um, and, and there was actually a play at second that he thought should have been uh, looked at as well. But I can tell you that all of my decades of watching baseball, I've never seen that before. That was um, that was a ridiculous display. It, really it was. was. And first of all, you don't see many teams score 20 runs in a major league game. It actually happened twice last week. The Dodgers scored 21 yes. on Thursday. But, uh, course, yeah. but but in that national games, that that was a particularly uh, ugly um performance by the Mets and that would have actually been the story had Sean Kelly not had his little temper tantrum on the mound I wouldn't be surprised 
if he never pitches in the majors again. That's how bad stuff, something like that is in the sense that no pitcher ha- that I'm aware of, maybe it's happened before. I've seen it happen in many other levels of baseball, people throwing their gloves on the ground. Back when I was coaching, I saw it quite often. But you don't ever see it at the at the professional level. And I don't care how mad Kelly was, and he might have had a beef in regards to not having that support from his dugout. You don't show it. That's he might have had a beef it. if the score was 10 to 9. You know right, what I mean? right, right. I mean – I, I, just, I just don't think you ever show that. I, that's something like uh, we, we were talking about last week uh, when it came to that Scherzer uh, um, uh, Strasburg thing. You know, that, that's, that's clubhouse stuff. That's, that's stuff that shouldn't even be reported on as far as I'm concerned. But, but I think Kelly may have, you know, he's not a bad pitcher. If you look at his whip and his ERA, yeah. I would, in normal conditions, if he got DFA'd, he would be picked up right away. Obviously, he hasn't been picked up, and I wouldn't be surprised if his major league career is over. That's how bad something That's is. how bad it looks. Well, he'll be sitting at home. He'll have a lot of time uh, to sit at home and think about it. That's for sure. And he is a right. good pitcher, but uh, but this cost him his roster spot. And I'm frankly, I'm glad that Mike Rizzo did this. I'm not crazy about the Nationals or some of the right. moves that Rizzo has made, but, you know, what do you do? Well, All right. you know, uh, one last thing on that game was that uh, they brought in – the oh, Nationals yeah. brought in Jose Reyes – um, yeah, who allowed shortstop? Six, yeah. yeah, who who uh, uh, allowed allowed six runs? I, I'm saying the Mets did. I'm sorry, allowed six runs in one inning of work. Um, we're seeing this more and more. I, I forgot to bring this up last week. There was 22 incidences um, in the last two and a half weeks of position players pitching. Um, Madden uh, uh, kind of started this. Yeah. Um, I, it, yeah. It, I have to tell you, I like it and it annoys me at the same time. <laughs> Um, and, it, and it's only because we've talked about this before. It, it re- reminds me of the time that they brought in Jose Canseco because he, yeah. of course, said he could, you know, had better velocity than half the pitchers in the majors. And next thing you know, he's on the DL. Right. Um, and so that's the pratfall. That's the part I don't like. But the next day, Reyes hit two home runs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, so, and, and it's remarkable because that's never happened. You know well, I, mean? I well has any pitcher, even the great Babe Ruth, yeah. maybe Ruth did it, where he pitched in one game and then homered twice in the next. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh it, it's it's like that young kid from uh, California, uh, the Angels. Uh, oh, Tati. Uh, yeah, he homered twice uh, the other day. Which again, that that story we'll talk about in future days. But that, yeah, that Mets uh, massacre uh, was was something else, and it says more about the Mets than it does about the the about Nationals. The Nationals. So, yeah, but uh, all right, so let's move on. Let, it, the Oakland A's, and this is a team that we've been wanting to talk about for yeah. a long time, and we're finally going to get to talk to them. And we're going to use uh, a Jeff Sullivan article from Fangraphs uh, about how Matt Chapman, their illustrious third baseman, is really leading them to victory. And I was, you know, I read the article, looked at some of stats, uh, Chapman's stats, yeah. and uh, he is right up there in wins above replacement for this season. Yeah, no, I, mean, I know he is. He's right behind guys like, you know, Mike Trout, Jose Ramirez. I mean, it's, it's quite an illustrious group. And uh, nobody knows about this guy. And the, a- and, the, and the A's are just, you know, right now they hold the second wild card spot in the American League. And they're looking really good. Yeah, they're the hottest team in baseball, too. Um, they've won five straight. Uh, Fangraphs, which is a great website, but you must be on Microsoft to view it properly because the damn website crashes half the time if you're on any other uh, platform besides Microsoft. So that's just a pet peeve of mine about Fangraphs. But Sullivan um, 
Sullivan really, really likes uh, Chap, uh, Chapman. I like him too. He's good. I don't like him as much as Sullivan does. Um, but I think, you know, he's a tremendous defensive player. There's a, if, you, if you read the article, that he inserts a couple of uh, many different little video pieces of his um, sizable work, both as a runner on the base pass, which is ironic because in his almost two years in the major, he has one stolen base. That's my one criticism, is that he's not – you know, he's a very smart base runner, but he's not all that in a bag of chips. He's not Baez. Let's not kid ourselves. That could so, be, though, that the um, A's don't. The A's don't steal bases. They may philosophically it, frown it, upon it. it. I bet you it, it doesn't. The, the, the Oakland A's are two games better than the Cubs right now, so yes. they're doing something right. They're, this oh, is yeah. a team that was on absolutely nobody's radar and the lowest uh, uh, payroll Third in the major Third. leagues. Third lowest payroll. Well, I thought it was the lowest. I, I, I looked on one okay, the site I saw said third lowest. It maybe these things are all calculated differently. But but well, they're coming, at coming the into the season. Yeah. Coming into the season, I believe they were the lowest. But um, it, regardless, uh, the Oakland A's are are you know if if the, look the Yankees are going to win that the Second other wild card, wild card. Yeah, the first wild card, yeah. and so. Or, or it could be the A's the way the Actually, A's are paying, playing because the, the Yankees are, are just kind of playing 500 ball right now. Well, I mean, according to the American League standings, they're only four and a half ahead of Oakland for that. You know, so Oakland, it, mm-hmm. it is possible, it's conceivable that Oakland right. could play a home playoff game if they're able to overtake yep. the Yankees. I don't think anybody else. I mean, Seattle is really fading. I don't know. But, um, so, but, but it's really a great story. And in a, in a league where we really thought that everything was decided, you know, they've really come along and surprised people. So, all right, so let's move on to more awful tweets. It's happening more and more. We're discovering about these terrible homophobic tweets by Sean Newcomb, who almost tossed a no-hitter the night before. And then later on, national shortstop um, Trey Turner also had some inflammatory tweets. These were things that happened when they were young again. But, you know... Uh, it's, it's just Twitter is causing people to really embarrass themselves and quite possibly lose their jobs. You know? That's correct. You're seeing it all across society, by the way. There's a big, uh, big hub to do on Twitter this week about a uh, newspaper reporter for the New York Times who's Asian who made a bunch of anti-white statements. And, you know, there's a whole uproar about that. Um, and so we've talked about this ad nauseum. The fact is if you and I had Twitter when we were younger, we would be in big trouble too. I think, yeah, at least yeah, I know, I, I, know, so. I, know yeah. I would be for yeah. sure. And so I'm not trying to, um, you know, discount this because it is important. If you make racist or homophobic comments in public today, you're an idiot, whether you yeah. believe it or not. We know that there's a sizable amount of the public that are racist, that, that are homophobic, that, uh, you know, are these things and actually probably support what these players say, both in the, in the black and the white communities. So, um, or I should say the people of color communities, because it's not just African-Americans, it's, it's Hispanic as well. The whole thing is nasty. And I guess the, the, the thing that I would say to any kid coming up, don't get Twitter until you're, you know, well into your 30s if you can help it. Yeah, no Cause, kidding. Because you need your brain to develop before you start going out there. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right, so, so now the uh, Major League Baseball trading deadline has come and gone, and it's really been interesting. You know, the yep. only team that did not make a trade this, this, during this period was the San Francisco Giants. All 29 teams were involved in one trade or another, acquiring one player or another. It was really interesting. I, I did not know that. That is a very interesting statistic. Yeah, they're and, the only team that stood pat. 
And I, you know, I don't know what that means for the Giants because the fact of the matter is a lot of teams wanted Madison Baumgartner. Yeah, you know yeah. a lot, but they they won't get rid of him. I think it's, no, they want him too. I mean, and they know, should. He he needs to be a giant. There's no other course for him. They're, they're not that far showed... removed from being you know in the in the playoffs. So maybe they know something we don't know. I just you know we've talked about this subject. We covered it last week. I just want to bring up one thing, and that is yeah. the Blue Jays shipped uh, Roberto Asuno uh, to the Houston uh, Astros, Houston Astros, who yeah. are in desperate need of bullpen help. I mean, they are. I started breaking down some of their statistics early this morning um, from a pitching standpoint, and it's glaring how bad that bullpen is. I mean, they, Verlander threw 14 strikeouts the other day. You know, in a short series, they could be dangerous, but they have to shore up that bullpen. Well, they acquired Asuno, Asuna, and Asuna is just a despicable human being. I mean, I, yeah. there's just no other way of covering it. Just go into YouTube and type in his name, and you can see him literally beating the crap out of his girlfriend in a stairwell of a minor, wow. league, a minor league game. I mean, she she went from wall to wall. It was it was as ugly of a thing as you will ever see. The story is is that Houston's being criticized for picking this this idiot up. Um, because he, he's just coming off of his 70-game suspension or whatever it was for domestic, yeah, for, for, for domestic, domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, while Houston is criticized, and I think it's fair, Verlander in particular said, you know, what, why are we doing this? Um, but also some of the criticism has to go to the Blue Jays where they, they, they held on to this player to get trade bait. Uh, yeah. and, and the reality is most teams, and I think that I would like to think that the Cubs would have just cut the guy. That that you know maybe I'm wrong maybe it's just a business and and it you know it does it's the Ty Cobb syndrome it doesn't no. matter that he murdered a guy he can he hits for average you know I, I it, you know what I'm saying it's just yeah. it just it, it it really this guy is a despicable guy and, he, and if, he is. It's, if he we is. come into October and he's he's saving every every single game it's really it's just it's unfortunate for the game of baseball so your contention is that if you were on the Cubs they would. They would have cut. Yeah, I think. They well, would well, I would. No matter how good that, I would was. hope that they would yeah. cut him. I, you know, I don't know whether they would. I hope they would. Um, well, it's clear that they wanted to get. They didn't want to lose him. You know what I mean? That he had, was such a good closer that when this came out and when he was suspended, they wanted to get rid of him and close their relationship. But they didn't want to do it for and get nothing in return. So it was a cynical view, yeah. and I think both teams are, are you know, are, should be criticized. But um, so, so there were some other big trades, though, too. And within the Cubs' own division, the Pirates went out in, an, in a move that surprised everyone. They acquired Chris Archer from the uh, Rays from Tampa right, Bay. Right. And that, I think, really, that says, well, you know, Pittsburgh thinks that they have a chance. And why the heck not? Exactly. You know? I think it's great for baseball. I will tell you that I don't think Archer's all that in a bag of chips. And in his first start yesterday or the day before, it kind of proved that he couldn't get out of the fourth inning. And so... Archer is Archer was really, really something else about two or three years ago. I think he's averaged out to be kind of a, um, you know, 10, 12 and 10, 12 and 12 type pitcher over the last couple of years. He is not, he is not Cole Hamels. And Cole no, Hamels, not, Cole, Cole Hamels no. is not Cole Hamels either. Cole Hamels but, Cole. But, he, but, but he's not a thoroughbred like that. Um, I don't think, and, and I may be wrong there, but, uh, you know, good for the Pirates because I really think, they have to kind of go all in. You know, they, I think they see their their brother or sisterly city, Philadelphia, doing very well, however you look at it. Um, and they felt that they had to. The Brewers picked up Shoop and Moustakis, uh, you know. That, uh, yeah, it was an odd way to sort of address their middle infield issues, you know. Right. And 
what was also surprising is they didn't go out and get a pitcher. Now we still have the the waiver deadline to deal with, and they may yet acquire a pitcher. But but I really thought that they would try to improve, you know, on the mound, right. especially with the with the starters. But yeah. you know, I, I don't know. It, it and it's an odd move because it shakes up their infield defensively. You know, it, it, they're not. I wouldn't say there's two different guys playing positions that they either have never played or haven't played in years, and and it's just. I don't know. Maybe they think it's because they shift a lot on defense, you know, that they can sort of overcome the deficiency. But I, I, I don't know. It's not something the Cubs would do. Yeah. I, it's not, you know, I don't live there. So well, I don't know. Last Sunday afternoon in Cooperstown, they, uh, they inducted uh, this year's class into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, I, I think that as you kind of state in your show notes, the, uh, what came out of that was just how, how, what a great guy Jim Tomei is. And oh, what, yeah. What, yeah. what a legitimately great career that that guy had. If you look at his stats, I don't believe for a second that he ever touched steroids. He's always been country strong. He was country strong the minute he came into the game of baseball. And uh, I bet you he is right now. I mean, yeah. I bet you he yeah. still could hit a home run in the major leagues. He's got, you know, that kind of a, an eye and a bat. You know, he ended up with 612 home runs, but uh, it was He's just somebody, you know, and Hoffman was put in, which was great. But uh, I think Jones, that, too. Jones, yeah. too, was, is, was an amazing player. Correct. And, and so the, the guys that there were the most controversial are my Detroit Tigers. You know, mm. they, they, they talk about uh, Trammell, who, who I believe was, was rightly put into the Hall of Fame. And then there's the discussion of Jack Morris. And Jack Morris is one of these polarizing guys that people either believe strongly that he belongs in the Hall of Fame or they don't believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame at all. Uh, as you state, you think he's borderline? I think he's borderline. I, 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 mean, I agree yeah. with you. I think he is borderline. I mean, I um, like Morris, and he, he pitched that great game against the uh, Braves in the World Series. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that really, I think, is what – cements his induct you know it cements his candidacy as a hall of famer well that he, he won he won two world series games in 1984 too so it wasn't yeah, just well, that okay yeah, he, he was a that. really good post-game pitcher but i think his his almost four era is the reason why it gives you pause to say why is the and the fact that he has you know 254 wins i think comes up well shy of the 300 meter uh, measurement, I should say. And uh, I, I agree with you that he is borderline. But I, but I think, and the reason why I'm bringing all this up is that there is a glaring omission um, in the Hall of Fame. And that is, while I agree Trammell should be in, the idea that Lou Whitaker isn't in is, is mind-boggling to me. What, what I did yeah. is I looked at the 22 shortstop, or, uh, second basemen that are in the Hall of Fame today and Lou Whitaker is eighth on that list by any measurement that you use. Really? I mean, any, his win above replacement is eighth. Um, you know, he's right up there in home runs. Um, hit, while he didn't get to, to 3,000 hits, he's got 2,400 hits. And there's plenty of guys. You know, you got Joe Gordon and, and nothing against Jackie Robinson. He obviously belongs yeah, there. Yeah. But uh, uh, Bobby Doerr, uh, Tony Lazari. Johnny Evers, these guys never even got a thousand hits and they're in the Hall of Fame. So whatever measurement that you use, Whitaker belongs in the Hall of Fame. He should already be in the Hall of Fame. In fact, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if you look at the win above replacement stat, which is if you're going to pick which one. Is, and writers are using that to determine. And wins above replacement, by the way, and I wanted, and I got a question about this, is wins above replacement, war. This is a sort of a, a measurement that determines how valuable a player is to his team how many wins the player essentially it provides for you, but it bakes into 
the stat all of the things that a player does, all the contributions he makes. That's correct, as, as well as well as their defense as well. You have to take all things into consideration. So, for example, Hornsby, Eddie Collins, Nap Lahoy, Joe Morgan, Rod Carew, Charlie Geringer, and Paul Molitor are all better second basemen than Lou Whitaker. According to wins above replacement. According to wins of replacement. But these second basemen are not as good as Whitaker that are in. Frankie Frisch, Ryan Sandberg, Roberto Alomar, Greg Biggio with 3,000 hits, um, Joe Gordon, Jackie Robinson, Bobby Doerr, Tony Lazari, Nellie Fox, Red Shane Deist, uh, Bill Mazarowski is comes up in last. How that yeah, guy got out of, into the hall uh, yeah. is mind-boggling. Because he me. beat the Yankees. Because his, his, his war is 36. Whitaker's is a 75. Hornsby's is a 127, which is Sterling. He's the best second baseman of all time, according to this measurement. All I'm saying is they've got to put this guy in. I think they need to put him – and the problem is he, I, I think he can only be going in by the veterans and the new rules of the veterans. I don't, I don't know that they vote every year now. No, I it's think, like every three years or right. something. They revisit so, it. So it's, it's, it, the, the chance for him to get in gets, it, it gets really foggy. And I hope that somebody really looks at this and, and decides that he, he deserves a shot to be in. I wanted to also mention that Mazeroski got in, not for what he did with the bat, but more because he was probably the greatest defensive second of that era yeah no there's no doubt he hey i i like mazarowski but you've got to put whitaker into the hall of fame this is just it's it's becoming a slight at this point and and by the way we will see it go in but th- it shouldn't be 10 years for them to get to fix this because no, it, no. it's really kind of glaring so they anyway. need to be a little more decisive all right we we need to move on yep. we need to get to the cubs and we'll begin with alex rodriguez during the espn broadcast of the sunday night game last week he kind of embarrassed the Cubs by saying that there was a lot of clubhouse sort of dissension or anger or seething resentment that you Darvish wasn't pitching for them or doing what he was paid $126 million to do. Right. And that he was sort of in control of his rehab and that he wasn't doing the things that the team wanted him to do. There were questions about his, his, his commitment to getting back. And uh, I think he embarrasses the Cubs, but I think eventually went on to embarrass himself. So, so normally when a veteran spouts off like this on a broadcast, there, there's some truth to what he's saying. Um, and and I, I think a lot of times people criticize things in others that they're really trying to say about themselves. Because if you remember when A-Rod, at the end of his career, when he was getting paid $25 million a year and he wasn't getting any at-bats because he had the same kind he of was terrible. Well, but he had these rinky-dink injuries. Yeah. I think the same thing could have been said about him. Um, in a normal circumstance, that that criticism could be accurate if there is true turmoil in the clubhouse. That's not the case with the Cubs. No. Madden is, a, is one of the best managers in the game. He would never allow that to happen. And Darvish is just trying to do his best to get back on the field. By the way, he had a really good bullpen session two days ago. Really good. good. Like He had no... Uh, pain at all they're now measuring over the next couple of days to see how he recovers um but so darvish may be on the field sooner re- sooner rather than later which would be great for the cubs i don't know well, i think yeah. a-rod's a-rod's got to watch watch his words because he was completely off base he's darvish is not a cancer in the clubhouse if no. he was then i think that criticism is fair but he but he's not yeah, and, and, and it's interesting. I think that rodriguez has made it very very difficult for him to get information out of these clubhouses again you know what I mean? People are just not going to talk to him. You know, they're not going to give him the same stuff. Yep. So the Cubs right now, they're nine and eight since Correct. the All-Star break. They've been winning one. They've been losing one. You know, they haven't really, 
I mean, the Brewers have gained some ground, but the Cubs are still in first place. Uh, they won yesterday. They're nine and eight. So, uh, but but they miss a couple of key pieces, and uh, to name them, that's Chris Bryant, who's out with a left shoulder injury, and Brandon Morrow, whose back has been bothering him. And I think it's uh, I don't think they're going to bring these guys back until they absolutely need them. I think. Correct. I think they Correct. think they can win the division without them or they can make the playoffs without them. And, you know, they'll bring back Morrow when they think, okay, now we need to win this game. Or Bryant when they feel like, well, we're not scoring any runs to the degree that we have to push him back in. They're going to keep these guys on ice. You know. Yeah, you know, the Cubs may be right that they're, they're, they're smarter than us when it comes to this stuff. When you look at the Cubs statistics, they're right up there in pitching. They're right up there in hitting. There's a couple things that stick out on the offensive side of the field that I think would have been made up if Chris Bryant was in the lineup. For example, they are the now the number one team in all the major leagues in hitting from a batting average standpoint. Wow, wow. Uh, they've produced more, more, and also they haven't played as many games as a lot of the other teams. But there is one glaring thing. They're like 30 or 40 home runs behind the top teams in home runs. And I think that's the loss of Chris Bryant. If Chris Bryant was playing like Chris Bryant plays, he'd have 20 to 25 home runs right now. The Cubs would be in a different position from a power standpoint. That's yeah. the only, and again, you're nitpicking at best. The, the, bull, the back end of the bullpen with Morrow missing is a much more um, precarious situation. I don't know whether you've been watching the last oh, few yeah. games, but every single one of them is a nail biter. You just, you know, sometimes I just stand up and go, is there any hope with Strope? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What does he have, like seven saves? He's actually been okay. (laughs) He was good yesterday. He 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 had a really scary one the other day. You know, and then when David Bodie made that tremendous play to cut down the runner at at home. But but I went to the game the other night. The whole family went. And this is going to be a thing that we do now from now on every year. But, uh, you know, my daughters really were kind of into the whole vibe of the night But what about William? What William about was William? like, I, I would rather be anywhere else. He kept asking me what wow, inning it was because wow. then he knew he was just even a little bit closer to leaving the game, that's, which is too bad. Sad. But but it's some it, yeah. But you know, if, but, if Babe Ruth if Babe Ruth was alive, I would say you need to go visit William Babe and, yeah. and get this guy in the fold. <laughs> he just he's just not into it, and that's just him. You know what I mean? But we dragged him along. You know, he got some cotton candy. The day wasn't a total loss. All right, so um, the other thing I wanted to talk Oh, you wanted to talk about Brandon Kinsler, about the reason why the Nationals yeah, well, trade him to the Cubs, a valuable pitcher, is because he had spilled the dirt on what was going on in the Nationals clubhouse. Yeah, it, it, that a lot of the guys um, – this is rumor, by the way. That, yeah, otherwise, no, it's I all speculation. The, author, the, the, the speculation is, is that the reason why he was so quickly um, – uh, unloaded by the Nationals is that Kinsler was the one that was feeding the stories that there is unrest and 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 disarray in the clubhouse, right, right. which there is. By and the it's way. The plenty of it. The fact is, is Martinez has kind of lost that team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired at the end of the year. Uh, to be honest. Yeah, you know? he may. He um, may be it, the one but, who has to go. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's really not good over there. They're a it, big disappointment. It's important for Kinsler to um, uh, adapt to the Chicago way and quickly because the Cubs won't put up with that crap. I'll tell you that. They won't put up with it, but fortunately, I think I think Kinsler is learning that the Cubs are really a a class organization. And I think also part of the problem with Kinsler in Washington is that he was too outspoken on what he felt pitchers should be doing versus what the new Nationals pitching coach, who I don't know, 
was telling them right. to do, that he was kind of Correct. contradicting Correct. sort of their philosophies. And I think that that was a big part of it. Um, I wanted to also talk about how last Sunday, this got me thinking about something, the uh, ESPN broadcast, they did an in-game interview with, first they did Joe Madden, then they did Mike Schilt, who's the new manager who replaces Mike Matheny for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm and, and listening and watching Schilt, and I'm thinking, my God, this man is really, really dull. I mean, I think he's competent. I mean, the Cardinals are better with him at the helm, but boy, was he dull. And it got me thinking, who are some of the dullest managers in the history of, of teams that at least you and I have followed? And I began with the White Sox, and I thought it was a tie between Gene Lamont and Jerry. So uh, yeah. before I answer that, before I answer that question, I just want oh. to apologize to our fans out there. We are having major connectivity issues here on your end, Leo. You're coming in every other word, and I'm afraid Too that's bad. going to show up really bad on the final broadcast. But uh, we're going to plow along. Um, yeah, baseball has had, um, uh, you know, their share of 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 dry, um, dull managers, uh, managers yeah. it, 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 throughout the game. Um, you know, you cite that on the White Sox, Jerry Manuel, I think Gene Lamont really is, is the you dullest. almost have to, yeah. you almost have yeah. to use a crowbar to get something out of that guy. No, um, you're right. But he's, who, he's, who are some of the other, well, the, the Reds, we'll go to the Reds, a team I followed for a long time. And, and I, I have to say that Vern Rapp was, has got to be the dullest manager, right? And in fact, I can't even think of anything remarkable about Vern Rapp. The team was terrible <laughs> when he was manager, and he had nothing to say. He was very old, uh, you know, at the time. And it just it, that one just didn't work out, at least for me. Uh, moving on to the Cubs, I thought uh, Jim Eschen was pretty dull. And uh, I wanted to give yeah. an honorable mention to Bruce Kim, who was only an interim manager, but he's, he's right up there in terms of his dullness. So, But that Bruce, leaves me Bruce to... Kim. Bruce Kim was the personal catcher of Mark Fitterich. He caught every game that Mark Fitterich pitched. Wow. Wow. Wasn't he like the first Korean American or the first player of Korean descent to play in the majors? So anyway, um, now I wanted to ask you about uh, the Tigers, Dulles manager, and you came up with two. Yeah, Les Moss, who was the manager preceding Sparky Anderson. And, you know, you mentioned Vern Rapp because I think there's a connection there with Sparky in the sense that Anybody that's before Sparky or after Sparky probably doesn't look so good from a <laughs> point. And, and that, was, that was the case with Les Moss. And I think it was the case to a certain degree with my other honorable mention, which is Brad Asmus, Asmus as I used to call him, uh, who uh, followed after Jimmy Leland, who, was, uh, who handled the press uh, very deftly. Um, uh, you know, career baseball guy. And he, he wasn't like Sparky Anderson, but he was pretty good into his own right. But both Les Moss and Brad, Brad Asmus come to mind as being, um, uh, you know, drier than toast. Yeah, no, you, you never liked Osmus, but, uh, but I didn't realize he was as dull as all that. All right, so the last thing we wanted to talk about, we were running over a little bit, but that's all right. Um, we want to get to this week in baseball history. And there were a couple uh, things that I wanted to point out. And the first was... Uh, August 3rd, 1948, Satchel Paige makes his first start, not his debut, his first start in the major leagues, and he pitches seven innings, uh, gets the win against the Senators 5-3. to three. Uh, Moving on to – well, do you want to uh, – Okay, so, yeah, well, seeing how every other word I can hear right now, which is not good, uh, I'm presuming you said Satchel Paige. Makes his first start. Got it. Got it. Um uh, I, but wasn't he like 48 or yeah. something like that? Yeah. He was really 
He's the oldest. Was he the rookie of the year? I think we've talked about this before. I think he was. And was he, he the rookie of the I year? Mean, I know that I read in Bill Vec's book, Vec is in Rec, that, uh, that Vec lobbied. He <laughs> sent telegrams to the commissioner lobbying for him to be uh, rookie of the year. So uh, now another one, this was good. Uh, Casey Stengel, who's a, a favorite of the show here of ITW, he celebrated his 70th birthday on July 30th, 1960, and he coined the phrase, most people my age are dead. And you can look it up. So now, can, uh, that's can, a good can, line. Can you, re- can you repeat that whole thing? The whole thing that everything there came out bad. We've got a really bad connection, Leo. All right. Um, so, so what did you just say about <laughs> Stangle was He turned 70 in 1960 on July 30th. And he made the joke, most people my age are dead at the present time. And this is while he's managing. I think he's managing the Yankees. You know, so uh, so he was an old guy. He was one of two or three guys who've managed into his 70s. But the last one I wanted to tell, and I really hope this comes through. This was brilliant. Um, July 30th, 1960, 1962. Gene Conley, a pitcher for the Red Sox, disappears off the team bus. The bus breaks <laughs> down. He, he has to go to the bathroom with Pumsy Green. They go into a bar to go to the bathroom. When they come out, the bus is gone. So Green makes his way back to the team <coughs> but Conley disappears for three days goes on a bender tries right. to, he buys a right. ticket a flight to fly to Israel and he's turned away at Idlewild Airport because he doesn't have a passport <laughs> yeah yeah now now I, I dug into this a little bit further and Conley is a really interesting guy he was drafted uh, to play NBA basketball. He played for the Celtics. In fact, one year, he strikes out Ted Williams in an all-star game, and that's sandwiched by, by NBA championships with the Celtics where he's playing behind Bill Russell. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, no. So he, he's a really this, – this, they, they should make a movie out of this. They really should. Th- th- that would be a fascinating story. You know, it, it, it – yeah. but uh, – so, so he, but the, the Braves who had initially drafted him, they gave him extra money not to play basketball, but he kind of did this on the side. And he was really tall. He was six foot eight, you know? So, anyway. So I, I thought that was great. All right. So, great before, before, yeah, be, go ahead. before we wrap it up, I just want to say to everybody that, that uh, soldiers through and listens to this episode, uh, we appreciate it. We are obviously having major technical issues from a connectivity standpoint. Um, we are on uh, Anchor, and this uh, Anchor does a great job. We love Anchor. Yes. Um, but there are times when we have, you know, this is a free service. We're not paying for it. If we were, I'd have a different attitude about all this. But this is just one of those shows where I'm not so sure the last half is, is going to be uh, even listenable. But if you do get through it, we do appreciate it. We may have to fire a couple of interns. You know, we, we may have to. Uh, so <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Again. All right. So questions or comments, write, a, write to our email address at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Tom, despite the problems, always a great conversation. You too, man. Right, have a great you. week.